0: When Samuel Morse invented the telegraph, he changed the world. For the first time, human beings could quickly send a message to a far-off place electronically across a wire. It was unbelievable. It was so unbelievable that during an early test of this technology for members of Congress in 1844, Morse transmitted a message with these words, What hath God wrought? Morse was filled with incredible wonder that God had equipped human beings to create something like that. He was filled with wonder that God had ordered the universe in such a way that this technology even was possible. And today, we take our smartphones and the internet and Skype for granted. We communicate in ways that Samuel Morse never even could have imagined. and We do these things without giving much thought to just how revolutionary it all is. I don't think any of us ever look at our digital devices and say, What has God done? But Morse did. And so I wonder, are we losing our sense of wonder? Naturalist Ann Zwinger wrote numerous books about this amazing world in which we live. And it's clear that she was filled with awe at the variety and at the beauty of nature. She chronicled one of her visits to the Grand Canyon by writing... I sat watching until dusk, hypnotized." How many of us would take the time to sit in a beautiful place, watching and waiting until dusk, simply to experience the wonder of our world? As we bounce between work and home and errands and church, how often do we miss the beauty of the sunrise? Or the color palette of the sunset. We have the privilege to live in a beautiful place called the Willamette Valley. And yet most of us seldom pause long enough to truly see it. And experience it. And enjoy it. So I wonder, are we losing our sense of wonder And now we're entering the Christmas season, and long before businesses figured out that during this month they could pry a lot of cash out of our hands, the church, the church set aside this season as a time to commemorate the birth of Jesus. And the Christmas story is the story of the God who came to earth to meet us personally And this Christmas story should amaze us because it reveals the grandeur of God. It's a story that should reduce you and me to awe because so much of it is a mystery that defies human understanding. And so in Christmas, there's an opportunity for us. If we're willing to grab it, there is an opportunity in the Christmas season to help us reclaim our sense of wonder. Wonder at who God is. Wonder at what God has done for us. Wonder at the God who became a baby. And one of the most wonder-filled aspects of this story, one of these things that we know yet cannot fully explain is the fact that the Jesus who arrived on the very first Christmas existed before the day of His birth. Jesus was present with the Father before the beginning of everything that we know. Imagine that. None of us existed before the day of our birth, but Jesus did. And this means that the story of Christmas really begins long before that starry night in a Bethlehem manger. Christmas really begins with the story of creation, and that's where we want to begin. Let's take a look at the book of Genesis, chapter 1, 1, verses 1 and 2. Genesis says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before Genesis 1-1, there was no physical universe. There only was God. And then here in this one cryptic sentence we learn that God created the heavens and the earth. It's hard to imagine. There was nothing and then there was something. And God created the building blocks of physical matter. Protons and electrons and neutrons and atoms and and molecules. And He took those building blocks of matter that he had created, and from them he created this place where we live, this world that we inhabit. And he made it all from scratch, from nothing. In the act of creation, God did something that no human being could do. Some of you probably heard that old joke about the scientist who's arguing with God, and he says, okay, God, you claim that you can create life. Well, I can create life too. In fact, with just a clump of dirt, I can go into my laboratory and make life. And God says, so show me. The scientist bends over and picks up a handful of dirt and starts to walk off, and God says, hey, wait a minute, you make your own dirt, that's mine. You know, because of the ingenuity that God has implanted in mankind, we've had the ability to create all kinds of wonderful things over the centuries. But whether we're talking about machinery or medicines or communication devices, every human creation starts with something. Only God can create something from nothing. And that's what He did in the beginning. That ought to fill us with a sense of wonder because it is so far beyond us. Even more though, we ought to wonder about this God, this God who created everything. Who is He? How does He want to reveal Himself to humanity? Well, we get some clues from these first two verses of the Bible. Because here we're introduced to both God and to the Spirit of God, the Spirit who later on in the Bible is called the Holy Spirit. Are God and the Spirit one and the same, or are they two different beings? Well, later on in Genesis 1 and verse 26, we find this very intriguing statement, God said, Let us make mankind in our image and likeness. I find that fascinating. One God describing Himself with plural pronouns. We're being told that our one God makes Himself visible to us in some different ways. And here at the beginning of created time, our Creator reveals Himself to us as God, and spirit, but there's there's more to this story. To grasp what's really happening here in creation, in fact, to grasp who really is present here in creation, we need to understand what took place before the beginning. Now you may not realize this, but the Bible is not actually laid out in chronological order. It begins with creation here in Genesis, but there are many vital biblical events that take place prior to creation. And those facts are laid out for us at different places throughout the Scriptures. We find one of the most profound pre-creation events described in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And there we learn that the God of Genesis 1 the God of creation includes Jesus. Jesus is our Creator. Let's take a look. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. So the Apostle John here is beginning his biography of Jesus, and he describes Jesus in a way that probably sounds unusual to us. He calls Jesus the Word. And he uses that terminology because though it may be unfamiliar to us, it's extremely familiar to his original audience. In fact, the Word was a profound concept in the first century, and it was familiar to both Jews and to Greeks. Now, we often call the Bible the Word of God, and the ancient Jews used that terminology as well. But for them, that phrase did not simply refer to the words printed on the pages of the Bible, it referred to the power of the truth behind those words. So the Word had deep meaning for the ancient Jews, and for the Greeks. The word was the organizing principle of all of life. It meant reason and being and idea. And because of the word, there was order and reason in the world that human beings could understand and apply to their, their lives. And this was viewed as something from a nameless creator God who set the universe in motion. And so the Greeks had profound respect for this concept of the word. And for each of these two groups, the idea of the word pointed toward God, toward an infinite creator who existed beyond time. There was a problem though. For the Jews, God often seemed remote because He lived in His temple and He often spoke to priests and prophets and kings, but He didn't seem to speak very often to ordinary people. He was distant, and for the Greeks, God really was an abstract and impersonal concept. So think about those views of God, distant, remote, impersonal. Those ways of viewing God certainly are not confined to the past. I know many people who are just like this today. I often meet Christians who remind me of the ancient Jews. And they believe, but they have no sense of a personal connection with God. I also meet people without any faith whatsoever who remind me of the ancient Greeks. They accept the idea of God. But it has no personal impact on them because God is just a concept. And so for both the believer and the unbeliever today, These ancient words from John are not outdated. They can speak truth into our lives and we need to hear them just as much as John's original readers did. And here's the point that John wants people to grasp. There's no way that finite human beings can have a personal connection with a distant, impersonal Creator God. There's no way to have a personal connection with a concept. So John, through this biography, is going to describe how this word of God, this word from God, this word who is God, actually took on human form. He was born as the man named Jesus. God became personal so we could know him. That's the ultimate point that John wants to make. Yet he begins the story of Jesus by setting it within the context of creation. Jesus was present at creation because he is God. And therefore, as John writes here in verse 3, without him, that's Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. John wants his readers to be shocked by that fact. I believe he wants them to hear these words and to say something to themselves like this. John, we know that you believe Jesus came to earth to be our Lord and Savior, but are you saying that Jesus, this same Jesus, also was our creator? Yes! Yes! That Jesus, who was born on the very first Christmas, existed before time began because He is God. In ways that we fully cannot explain, Jesus was and is connected with the Father and the Spirit. He is one personality, one expression of our God. So Jesus was there on that day when God spoke the universe into existence. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't get my head around that. It's simply too mind-boggling. How could Jesus exist beyond time? How could He exist before time and then somehow enter into time and take on human form? It is not fully explainable by us as finite human beings because we are limited by time. And we see everything through the lens of past and present and future. And the fact that God exists beyond times sometimes is just plain confusing. I love how one Bible commentator describes it. He writes, rather than view the existence of Jesus through the lens of our fragmented sense of time. We simply must accept the fact that the Son of God mixes together time and eternity. He mixes them together as if they were as easily interchangeable as mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. We can't fully explain it. It just is. And John wants this truth about Jesus to fill us with awe with amazement, with wonder. The Jesus who came in human form so we could know God personally, the Jesus who came to rescue us from our own self-destructive ways, that same Jesus created us in the first place. Unlike the way the ancient Jews and ancient Greeks viewed God, Jesus is a very personal God made us, and he came to live among us. And yet there's more. With God, there's always more. There's more to this story because Jesus is more than our creator. He's also our sustainer. The Apostle Paul describes this very vividly in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Paul writes, the Son, that's Jesus he's talking about. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Now, much of what Paul writes here reinforces what we just read in the book of John, describing events that took place before the beginning. Jesus came before all things, before time began. And then, as one aspect of our God, Jesus functioned as our Creator. And Paul describes Jesus here in a couple of really important ways. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, which means that Jesus, when he lived on earth, exactly represented God. And that's why during his life, Jesus once said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it lets us know that the God who made us does not want to remain a stranger to us. He wants us to know him. And he makes himself known through Jesus, who when he lived among us was a living portrait of our creator God. And then as Paul writes to that ancient Middle Eastern culture, that culture where the greatest prestige and honor always goes to the firstborn son, Paul writes that Jesus is the first of the firstborn. He's not the firstborn son of a family, He's the firstborn son of all creation. He's the firstborn because He existed before the beginning and because He created everything. He created things that we know, He created things that are knowable, He created things that we don't even begin to know. He made it all. He created things that are visible, like the sun. The moon, a Douglas fir tree. He created things that are invisible, like the wind, and the law of gravity, and the law of thermodynamics. He created the concept of authority and gave us the ability to create laws by which we could govern ourselves. Jesus made it all. And just as importantly, Jesus sustains it all. As we read here in verse 17, Jesus holds everything together. In other words, without Him, the world and the universe simply would fly apart. You know, there's an old song called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. And I think that's literally true based on what Paul writes here. Jesus sustains all of creation because we are in His grip. And if He simply speaks a word, we cease to exist. That's who Jesus is. When we understand what took place before the beginning, it should fill us with an incredible sense of awe. Because the Jesus of Christmas is the Jesus of creation. It occurs to me that over the next three weeks, you and I are going to have many opportunities to fill up our schedules. Shopping, Christmas parties, gatherings with family and friends, Participating in church activities. And we can let these activities consume us. Or we can be intentional about looking beyond them to see the bigger story of Christmas. The story of an incredible God who chose to make an incredible journey. A journey from creation to Christmas. Jesus, our creator. Jesus, our sustainer. Jesus, a helpless baby lying in a Bethlehem manger. What a contrast. What a journey. A journey that only God could make. A journey that only a God who loves us would that's the most amazing thing of all. Not that God could do this, but that God would do this. The Jesus who came to save us, to rescue us from ourselves, is the Jesus who made us and who sustains us. That fact lies at the very heart of The Christmas story. Can we let that fact fill us with a fresh sense of wonder?